You're listening to In the Booth, the politics podcast from the Frederick News Post. My name is Jack Hogan, and I cover county and state politics for the News Post. In the coming days, we'll be publishing interviews with candidates for Frederick County Executive and Frederick County Council to help voters get to know more about some of the local names that will be on their ballots in November. Today's guest is Brad Young, who is the president of the Frederick County Board of Education and one of two Democratic nominees in the race for the two at-large seats on the Frederick County Council. The second is Renee Knapp, an advocate and caregiver for her son with autism. County Councilman Phil Dacey, who has represented the county at large since 2018, and Tony Schmelick, a general contractor and former council member, are the Republican nominees. So, Brad, welcome to the newsroom and to In the Booth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, first off, why did you decide to run for county council? It's a good question. And honestly, as I grew up and uh, lived in Frederick County, I never really intended on running for political office. My dad had been in office pretty much my entire childhood from the time I was four through I was 24. And uh, he was quite busy with that. He, he took it seriously and spent a lot of time. And consequently, uh, we didn't see him as much because he had a lot of meetings and things to do. And so I got married at a young age at 21. And my wife said, hey, we were getting married. You're not doing that political stuff. And so, uh, I, and I really had no intention of doing it. I wanted to be a hands-on dad. I, I had three daughters. I coached them in every sport they played. I taught their Sunday school class. I did every field trip that they had. Those things were extremely important to me. And so as they got through school in about, well, in 2010, you know, I decided that it would be a good idea to at least run for the school board. And didn't really count that as political office because it was nonpartisan and it wasn't really a full-time job. And so I did that, and that's uh, where I've been for the past 12 years. So last, last winter, I decided I wasn't running for another term. I thought 12 years was enough on the school board and um, really wasn't planning on running for anything else. And so my wife kind of said, hey, you know, with what's going on in the country, we need more people that are sensible that can work with other people, you really need to run for something else. And I was, frankly, actually a little shocked because she's never been a strong political person being involved with it. And so so we talked, and I started talking about various races. And, you know, some people talked to me about running for the Annapolis offices. I really didn't want to do that because you're away for three months, and I didn't want to be away from my grandchildren for that long a period of time. So I really didn't have any interest in running uh, for either delegate or senator. Uh, people talked to me about other offices, and ultimately I felt the best fit was county council. Uh, I can bring to it my experience in business, my experience in education, my experience in uh, knowing the community, serving on the Parks and Rec Committee, uh, and living here for my entire life of almost 58 years. I, I thought it was a logical place for me to be able to continue serving Frederick County. For me, I look at it as community service. It's not a job. I, I, if I get elected, I'll happily serve. If I don't get elected, I'll happily find some other way to serve Frederick County. So it's not like uh, I need to do this. I, th I think it's something uh, that I want to do. And I think, again, everybody should feel an obligation to give back to the community. Frederick has blessed me and my family, uh, and I want to continue to give back. And the county council seems like a logical way to do that. What do you feel is the most important issue in the county council race? Well, to me, uh, the issues that I hear when I knock on uh, folks' doors, which we're doing every day, uh, growth is always a top issue. People are afraid that Frederick County is growing too fast. The infrastructure is not keeping up. 
uh, and they're worried about just overgrowth of Frederick County. Education is always a big issue. People want to make sure that we continue to have a great school system here. Uh, and public safety is always also a big factor. We want to make sure that we are able to keep up and keep it's safe through our police departments, through our fire departments. And then finally, uh, quality of life. People want to have a good community that has good park systems, trails and bike paths, walk paths, where they feel safe to go out and do those things. And so I, I look at all those issues, and they're all issues that I have experience on. Uh, again, my approach to any office is that I'm here as a servant of the people. And so when people contact me, I listen. We don't always agree. And, and that's what I've always said. And I think it's why I have so much respect. Uh, I am a registered Democrat, but I have significant Republican and non-affiliated support because I've always been a bipartisan person. My number one party is not the Democrat Party or any other party, but the Frederick County Party. I love Frederick County, and I want to do what's best for our county. And so to me, it's going to be continuing to listen. But certainly growth is always at the top of the list for things that people are concerned about. And in what ways should the county be growing? Well, if you don't grow, you die uh, is, is just kind of a fact of life. The question is, is how much growth and where that growth is. The facts are that the majority of the growth that we've had over the last eight years was approved prior to the current county executive and county council. The current county executive and council have not approved any new residential growth other than age-restricted growth in eight years. So this is all, all the growth that we've had is either growth that was approved prior to eight years ago or growth that was approved by local municipalities like Frederick, Walkersville, Middletown, and so forth. And so I think the reason uh, that it's, it's, it's a huge issue is having served on the school board, I can tell you that in my 12 years, we've added over 12 buildings to the county. We added an additional uh, elementary school in Urbana, in Sugarloaf. We rebuilt Urbana and added capacity. So we have three elementary schools there, Sugarloaf, Urbana, and Centerville. And all three of those are going to be overcrowded. We added an additional elementary school on Route 40, which was Butterfly Ridge, and we recently rebuilt Waverly Elementary and increased its capacity from 400 to over 1,000. Uh, and again, we're going to be overcrowded there because of the growth that's coming. People don't want to buy a house and then find out their child is sitting in a portable or that their child has to get on a bus and go to a school 20, 30 minutes away because the school right next to them doesn't have any capacity. And so we have to make sure that if we're going to continue to allow residential growth, that we have the schools to take care of it. Now, I'll tell you, I've, I've, we've got a lot of aging school buildings in Frederick County. Our staff does an amazing job at keeping our buildings in good shape and staying up on deferred maintenance. But as an example, my wife graduated from Walkersville High School in 1982. Uh, my oldest grandchild is seven. By the time he graduates high school, there will not be any improvements that have been done to that building since his grandmother had gone there. Walkersville is not even on the radar screen. We still have right now Brunswick High that's going to be redone, then Middletown High, and, and the whole campus at Middletown is on, uh, on the uh, list now to be looked at and redone. Uh, but we have a lot of buildings that if we have to spend all our money continuing to build schools to meet capacity because of new students, then we're not meeting the needs of the students that have been here. Certainly traffic is a major issue, and the more 
people that come here, the more roads get uh, crowded, and we haven't done a good enough job of staying ahead of that. And that's a com more complex because it's not, they're not all county roads. Some of them are state roads and some of them are federal roads. But as a county, we have to make sure they have the capacity there before we're putting more cars on them. And then again, as I mentioned from public safety perspective, uh, we have to make sure that we have enough police officers on the street. We have to make sure that we have enough folks to run the fire trucks and the ambulances to keep people safe. I will say Frederick County's done a very good job at increasing our park capacity. Uh, in, in my years on the Parks and Rec Committee, they've added the new Urbana Regional Park. They added and uh, made bigger Utica Park up north of Walkersville. And recently they opened Othello Park, which still has additional capacity that will be added to it. So they've done a pretty good job of trying to make sure there are places that are there. Uh, they also have a park and uh, trail path guidelines that they're trying to extend. The only piece that they've completed now is out in the Ballinger area, but ultimately we want to have pathways and bikeways that people can walk around safely and get from various parts of the county without having to be on the road. And so as, as a council member, what kind of legislation and policy can you bring forth to ensure that growth doesn't outpace uh, school capacity, roads, right. and some of the other pieces of infrastructure that you discussed? So first off, in Frederick County, we have what's, uh, it, it's a strong county county executive model. So the council doesn't have as much power uh, as it may have in other counties. So certainly I will work with, if I'm elected, with other council members on both sides to come up with uh, legislation that I think that we can get passed by whomever the county executive is. Uh, and so that takes working together. And growth really isn't a partisan issue. It's, it's, it's a matter of uh, people want to have adequate road schools, and it's not a Democrat or Republican issue. So I will continue to advocate for that, certainly advocating with the state and federal government as far as trying to increase uh, capacity there. I know recently uh, they got additional money to expand Route 15. Certainly there's proposals about expanding Route 270. We need to look at that, but we also need to look at transportation within our county of folks that are here. I think one of the things that we really have to do is go out and try and attract more employers to Frederick County that have jobs that people can afford to live here so that don't, they don't have to drive down 270 and take, take them off the road. COVID, one good thing that COVID showed is that when people were working from home, we didn't have a traffic problem. And so subsequent to COVID, many people have either stayed uh, working from home or remote, either full-time or even part-time. And, and so I think trying to find employers where people don't have to go down the road and can work here in Frederick County will alleviate some of those problems. But we still need additional capacity to be able to do that. And so those are the things, again, uh, the last piece of it is one of the biggest problems, Frederick County has an adequate public facility ordinance which says you can't put uh, new development where those, uh, you know, schools and police and parks and roads are not sufficient. But we have our municipalities, uh, Frederick City being one of the biggest, that has approved a lot of growth that isn't subject to the county regulations. And so as a county council person, I would look to improve relationships with our municipalities and try to get them to be team players to say, we know you want growth in Frederick City, but we need to have the infrastructure there in order to support it. And so right now in Frederick City, they have an adequate public uh, facility ordinance, but if you wait three years, you can ignore it. 
and many of the developers have gone that path and all the growth that's going across Christopher's Crossing, across Monoxy Boulevard, that's all in the city. And so the county didn't have a hand in approving that additional housing, but yet it's causing county services to be stressed by having all the new people there. And just before we move on from growth, I know you, you mentioned that a lot of the development was approved about eight years ago from the last board of county commissioners. Right. Uh, we should note that the board the board president was your brother, Blaine. This is correct. Does, um, does, is there any emotion or, or, or thinking that goes into being on a council that's succeeding that board that, that your brother led? Well, again, since Blaine was there, there's been the current county executive and county council for eight years. And so, you know, I, I it's easy to Monday, Monday morning quarterback. I'm not going to go back and criticize. But to say the voters need to pay attention to what candidates for both county executive and county council are saying, because a new executive and a new council will have power to reopen those floodgates back up. The floodgates have been on hold other than what was approved, but there's nothing that prevents them from being opened back up. And so uh, really ask and look at what your candidates' positions are on growth. As I've stated, I'm for moderate growth, but where we have the infrastructure in place to be able to handle it, we have to have that or we shouldn't be putting additional housing units in those areas. And so I I think that the, the new council will have a lot of say in that. Obviously, right now they're dealing with the Sugarloaf overlay, which is a controversial issue. Uh, that's one of the first uh, many plans within the county's master plan of looking at a particular area. Uh, and there are a lot of impacts to property owners. And so they're working through that. We'll see where they end up. But that's just the start of it because now after that, they're going to look at that for other parts of the county as well. And so it's funny, you actually uh, you brought us to the next questions that I, I kind of had in line here. Uh, so you mentioned the Sugarloaf plan. Yeah. It's the full name is the Sugarloaf Treasured Landscape Management Plan. It's um, since July, something that the county council has been meeting about to right. hash out and bring to a vote. It's a plan to preserve Sugarloaf Mountain and the land surrounding it. And it's the first area plan that is part of the larger Livable Frederick Master right. Plan, which the county passed in 2019 to guide development and preservation. So if you were a member of the council, would you vote to approve the Sugarloaf plan and why or why not? Well, first off, I say it's, it's tough to answer that question because I have not been in all the meetings where all the information has been presented. And I also do not have access to a lot of the documents that the council has had a chance to review. What I will say is that I support the livable, livable Frederick plan and to the degree that what the Sugarloaf uh, overlay uh, supports having that growth in areas that's targeted uh, for either um, residential or for uh, commercial growth, I would support. Uh, but again, to the extent that there's infrastructure that's there. Now, I understand, and, and this is where I don't have all the details, some of the overlay can affect some of the property owner's rights as to what they can do on their property or not. I have been, and I think any time that you're looking at changing somebody's, uh, the rights that they have on their property, it can affect their property value. And so if I had bought a farmette that had subdividable lots because I wanted to build a house and then let each of my children build a house that's there, and now all of a sudden you change that, then I think there needs to be some uh, form of uh, remediation or compensation for the property owner to taking those rights away because they bought them with those rights. So uh, I, I think that the government has a role in looking at what uses should be there. But I also think that we really need to be 
aware of the folks that are, that are already there and what rights they have and how we deal with that moving forward. County has already begun meeting with community members about the next regional plan. Mm -hmm. That's part of the Louisville Frederick Master Plan. This is the South Frederick Corridors Plan. Right. It's It'll examine an area south of Frederick along Maryland 355 Urbana Pike right. and Maryland 85 Buckystown Pike, and it's the second most economically significant region of the county to right. Frederick City. Goals for the plan include reinforcing and creating economic strengths and assets, supporting existing business and industries, and fostering innovation and opportunity. How can the county improve its public process for this plan compared to the process that it's had for the Sugarloaf plan? Well, first off, any time the county is doing anything that's affecting property holders' rights, they should receive a registered letter of notification that that's going to happen before the process starts. Uh, my understanding is uh, that, that that happens, but not al always necessarily at the time. Unfortunately, Frederick County is a very, um, a county of very busy people that commute, and if you don't go out of your way to find out that something's going on, you may not find out about it until the final vote's coming or it's close to coming. So I think by a registered letter, when you receive a registered letter, you know it's something serious. Uh, that and any letter from the IRS uh, <laughs> is, is not a well, usually a welcome letter. But if, when you get that, you would take it more seriously. So I think people would be more engaged in the process. That's always the biggest criticism that I hear is that people weren't aware or they got engaged in the process too late. Uh, and again, we can say that's their responsibility. They should have found out about it. But I think if we're doing something as major as changing the rights of their property, that they need to be known or need to be notified in a way that they don't have to go out of the way to find out about it. And so it's not through putting something on Twitter or Facebook or even in the news post. It should be through a certified or registered letter that they get at their residence. And so from that perspective, and then we start to deal with the, uh, the corridor that you're talking about really comes up to Frederick City. And so to the degree that, you know, that that impact is there, again, I would hope that we would work with the city and finding out what they're doing up to that zone so that we're not, you know, creating an area that's not in cohort with what the city is doing as well. All right. Uh, switching up uh, to another topic that uh, has been the subject of some council meetings a few months ago, um, but a portion of it, I think, has come up more recently. Last year, the county council approved the $20 million purchase of a 26-acre property along Himes Avenue. Right. It includes a 209,000-square-foot facility currently used for COVID vaccine clinics. The county purchased the property with intentions of accelerating large product projects like building new county offices, relocating the 911 call center, and potentially adding a library to the west side of the city. Right. What do you think the property should be used for? Well, I certainly agree with the 911 facility needed a new facility, and I, I certainly think that that's an ideal place for that. The issue of the library is interesting because – uh, I've done a lot of work on the west side of the city. I've worked with a lot of that uh, community of, of folks that are working hard out there that care about their their area, like Maria Rodriguez and, and even uh, Jasmine that ran for county council. Yeah, Jasmine DeCola, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and these are folks that we have to sit down and talk with. We can't ask them or we can't tell them what they want. Uh, the biggest issue with, with folks that live out in that area is they don't feel like they were a part of the process. And so I don't know where the right place to put the library is, but I do know that I don't want to put it anywhere without having the meetings and the buy-in 
from the community of the folks that are going to use it. And that's the, what I think people get more upset about is not that they're not getting a library, but it was pre-selected for them and they weren't part of that process. So I certainly, as a council person, would work with every part of our county in trying to formulate what my decision-making process would be or what vote I would take on different issues. I've always prided myself in being accessible to the public. Uh, I've answered every email that I've gotten for the last 12 years, which is in the multiple thousands, uh, probably in excess of 15, 20,000 emails over that period of time. I, my, my cell phone number is readily known and people are free to call me there. Uh, and certainly I see a lot of people out in public and so people come up and they give me uh, their ideas of what to do. What else could be in that building? Again, I think um, certainly I know Winchester Hall uh, has been overcrowded and there's probably some divisions that could move from there out to that location. And I would like to see some community use of it. It's a big building. Uh, that building was originally State Farm many years ago until they built their new campus over off Monoxy Boulevard. And so I think there are a lot of community organizations that might be able to utilize parts of the building until the county uh, has full use of them. And so I would want to hear from our people uh, in the county as far as what makes sense to be there. Uh, it's not a, I would say, a commuter-friendly place to get to if you live in, in Frederick to go over and get off and get down to Himes Avenue and go into the property versus going to Winchester Hall. So I certainly think there's things that should stay at Winchester Hall, and those are things that are more common to uh, uh, that people would come to the county government to visit and, and get services. They also have certain uh, things out on... Uh, Montevue Lane, uh, the voter uh, building is out there. Uh, I know Parks and Rec is across the street. So I'd want to sit down and talk to all the folks and see what's most logical to put over there. But I don't think it's the most friendly place uh, as far as getting to if you're looking for uh, things that are services where people would want to go to that building. It's not an easy place necessarily to get to. What else would you look to accomplish with a four-year term on the council that I haven't asked about? Well, I've always said education always will be my number one focus. We're blessed to have a great school system. We're blessed to have a great community college uh, in FCC in Frederick. And so I want to make sure that they can continue to be great. Unfortunately, FCPS is the second least funded school system in the state of Maryland when you divide its total revenue by the amount of students that we have. I'm extremely proud of our staff, our teachers, our administrators, our support staff for always being in the top um, amongst the state in performance when they're at the bottom in what they get funded. Uh, the, the downside to that is we've not been able to stay competitive in wages in many areas. And so we need to continue to make sure that we're funding the school system enough so that we can get our wages competitive, that we're not paying less for a starting teacher than they are in Washington County. Uh, and that we're continuing to keep, attract, and be able to retain the best teachers, the best administrators, and the best support staff. I, I certainly want to continue expanding our park system, uh, that we have the inventory of parks that we have and the, the pathways and bikeways that people want to enjoy. As I said, public safety, I think we need to continue to fund. I was asked a question the other day, do you support switching to a county policing system versus the current sheriff's department and my answer to that is no I, I think the system works well that we have uh, and i don't want to create a situation where the head 
of a police agency reports to a political appointee, and so therefore uh, politics becomes much more a part of how that department works. Uh, we do have control over who runs our department through an election, and so again, I would say to people, if you're not happy with who's running it, then that's your right to handle that in the ballot box, but I don't want to make our head of our uh, police department become a political appointee. And so we need to continue again to get uh, police pay up. Uh, our police agencies locally have vacancies. I, my, my son-in-law retired from Frederick City Police last year. My brother-in-law is a retired Maryland State Trooper. My wife's grandfather is a retired Montgomery uh, police officer. Uh, the police are so important and we need to make sure that we have enough. And right now they're having a tough time filling them. And part of it is the pay and part of it though is that we need to get back to respecting our police we need to get rid of bad police by and large the majority of police officers are good people doing the right thing uh, and we need to treat them with respect because otherwise what happens is the good ones want to get out because they're and they're not being respected same thing is true in fire actually this current administration has done a good job they've expanded the number of pro professional paid firefighters by well over 200 positions uh, and that will continue to, to go. We have a great volunteer system in Frederick County. I'm proud to be part of the Walkersville community where we have an outstanding volunteer fire department that our community supports tremendously. And so I wanna make sure that we're able to continue to keep that strong volunteer system, but also that we support and supplement where it can't meet the needs with the professional firefighters that we have. So that, that certainly will be uh, a focus. But most of all, it's just trying to be an, an ambassador envoy for Frederick County. I'm going to be out there, and when there's issues, you'll know that you can call me. I'll find a way to get you connected to whatever resources. Uh, I've been very active. Frederick is very lucky to have a ton of nonprofits that benefit our community. I've been active with quite a few of them. Uh, IJ Hill and I believe in me. I've been active with, we've done food distribution on Route 40 for over 18 months, serving over 100,000 people. And that was a supplemental thing because our core mission is working with at-risk youth in Frederick. And IJ and his mentors do a great job at trying to make young people make better decisions than they did when they were young. Fortunately, they turned the corner and now are doing the right things and they're trying to help other people do that. Love for Lachlan is another one that I've been very active with. Brooke and Bill DeSantis unfortunately lost their son uh, Lachlan at the age of five to flu and sepsis and their mission has been to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else and so the focus of their nonprofit is providing free flu shots to people that don't have health insurance and we've given out thousands of free flu shots. We have blessings in a backpack that provide lunches and meals to kids over the weekend uh, and over uh, you know, when we have storms and they, they can't get into schools to get their meals that are there. We have COIP, which is Children of Incarcerated Parents, that, that helps uh, children deal with the fact that their parents are in prison and giving them the resources that they need. Uh, again, uh, City Youth Matrix, Aaron Vetter, providing resources to families that can't afford to pay their kids' Little League registration fee or maybe buy them a ball glove or whatever uh, that they may need there. And I can go on and on and on. SOAR is one that I've been active with, which supports seniors in Frederick County. For the last two plus years, I've supported a couple up in Emmitsburg. Uh, once a month, I go do their grocery shopping, deliver their groceries, 
uh, to their apartment because they don't have access to a car. Uh, they've also supported them in uh, the gentleman in getting a uh, 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 motorized wheelchair, paying for prescriptions. So Frederick is such a philanthropic place, and I want to make sure that we continue to provide those services that are there. The Asian American Center, Elizabeth Chung does such a great job out on Route 40 providing services uh, to many, many people in that area and across town. I, I, I can go on and on, and these are all charities that I've personally worked with and will continue to do so because they are just doing God's work and helping people that need it. Uh, the last thing I, I, I feel like i got to ask is uh, you've been very open with providing your phone number mm -hmm. to people in the community. Um, I mean, how's that worked out? Do you have uh, uh, tons of people constantly hitting your line? Is it uh, What's it like having being um, – I mean, right now you're still – you're, I guess, an official in the, the, for the Board of Education, yes. the president of that board. Your family has been involved in politics. You're a name that's known in the community. How – how has provided your phone number to voters uh, played out for you? People contact me when they have issues. They know they can text me. Today we have multiple ways of getting hold. So people will still email. They'll instant message on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, they will see me in public. So I, it, the people have not abused it. And, and generally when they reach out, it's because they have a concern. Uh, I, I'll frequently get, hey, my child heard there was a threat at a school and instantly what I do is I'm able to forward that directly to the head of security for FCPS, Scott Blundell. I can forward it directly to the sheriff. I can forward it to the chief of police if it's in Frederick City, wherever it might be, so that I know that it's being handled properly. But I, again, I'll get, uh, I, I had a uh, lady reach out to me the other day that her church has parishioners that need support for Thanksgiving. We're working on putting together meals for them to be able to provide and she felt comfortable in contacting me through Facebook Messenger. So it, I, I would really say it's worked out well. People know that if they have an issue they can call me out, try to hook them up with the resources that they need or connect them through to the people that they need to be able to either answer the question that they need. And what's great is sometimes I just get positive messages people will send. You know, being in politics is not always, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, I've, I have gotten some pretty nasty messages. Um, fortunately, not too many to my telephone, more through uh, social media and through emails at FCPS. And to me, is we've got to get to a place in our country where we can agree to disagree respectfully. That's the way that I was raised. And I again, I have many friends that are extremely conservative. I have many friends that are more liberal than me. I, I tend to be probably just left of center. And I can talk to all those. And the reason a lot of my conservative friend, friends support me is they know that I listen to them. I respect them. I will take their views into consideration. And it may shape my view differently. Uh, and so uh, it, it, it's not... It, we, we have people, unfortunately, today that if you're a D or an R or something, you're labeled and you're not going to be talked to. And that's we've, we've got to get beyond that. Our country needs the ability for people to sit down and respectfully discourse with one another, make a decision, and then move on without um, – uh, all the uh, name-calling and, and nasty stuff that's that's happening. I attribute a lot of that to social media. Social media is given a platform for a lot of people to be able to say whatever they want with not necessarily having any accountability. 
Uh, and so I, many times uh, I've seen stories that are there and I know, you know, again, I know the facts and I've seen what people are putting there and it just is uh, very unhelpful. Uh, and many times in the school situations, again, something happens and it just magnifies through social media as opposed to the old day of calling the principal and saying this happened and deal with it and it's done. It needs to be have its own life through uh, social media platforms. And so I, I think that's changed our world dramatically and some for the good, some not for the good. And so, but the biggest thing of all is we have to get back to a point where people can respect each other regardless of whether they agree with their positions on various political matters. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming into the newsroom and joining me in the booth. Yep. You're welcome. Thank you, Jack. Thank you.